What's up, what's up, y'all? This is Lita Johnson. I'm your host with the most. So have a toast. We are here to talk. News is out there. Sixers won, swept the Nets, dominating the whole season. Um, Derrick Henry, uh, Eagles, ooh. Villanova, Naheem McLeod, ooh. Let's, let's talk more. The Phillies, ooh. Where are they about to go? Still our fame. Follow the leader. Let's motivate. Let's get off first to the Phillies, who I feel like I feel like they're gonna hit their stride right now. I used to I, I said after the All Star break, y'all gonna see this and that happen, but it's the same way they playing. First, their pitching was you know knocked out. Pitching to me, it's, you know, of course it was dragging it. But their offense kicked up. You know, Brandon Marsh, Trey Turner is the truth. Uh, Brian Stott, Rice and Stott, which I, I said, I said on Twitter many times. I, I, I put it out there. The, the Phillies will be at their best, or they'll be to the World Series level. If Bryce and Stott contributes on the star level, I, I put them in Andrew Painter. Impacts. That's all they need. They need a young buck with all their talent to do his thing because it'll give them a guy at the fifth starter that's ridiculous. And these guys like Ranger Suarez weren't even back yet. I mean, their pitching staff, when it gets to Zach Wheeler, can you see Walker's the truth? He's done his thing. Walker, Wheeler, and Nola have been good. Now, you, you, they've been a good job having decent pitchers that can come in there and fill those roles. And then you can let the bullpen kind of twinkle out whatever they got, you know, Bailey Falter, Matt Strom, who's been lights out. Like, he's somebody, like, man, he's really been good off the bullpen to a starter. You know, he's uh, had the experience before. He's doing good. Bailey Falter is doing a decent job. That's all you need, and they need your guys to hit. Then you get to your first three guys who knock you out the box. Well, I say Strom is so good because you didn't you expected a decent job. You expect a good job like he's doing. He's really doing Good numbers. I mean, he can throw that ball and he finishes, you know, enough innings real big. So now you look at their, that's that's the thing. Their pitching is starting to kick up. You see Soto, Soto's and, and, and Kim, Soto, Kimbrough, and Dominguez doing good now at the same that they're, they're starting to do good, be consistent. See, Alvarado was always there. He always there, man. He got a below one run per game average right now. I mean, he is the guy. I don't care who is Kimbrough, whoever the closers, Alvarado. And then you go ahead and you let the other guys work the middle, man. That's crazy. You got Kimbrough and Dominguez and Soto. You got straight killers in, in the middle like that. Then you can bring everybody else you want. You know, Brogdon, he come up do good. Bellotti, it's good when you got those solid to these decent to solid arms in the back of your of a because usually you're looking for that two two middle relievers at least. At least. You really won at the at at the you know. I could say my bad. One at the least, if your starting pitching is eight innings good. I mean, it's, you know, at least seven innings good. If your starting pitching is seven innings good, that middle reliever is gonna be to be one person, and then it's the closer. You know, if it's on a consistent seven inning basis. But if it's not, but you know, if it's not something that needs to happen that usually don't happen, is you getting a multiple 
amount of elite middle relievers. Not just good or decent, you know, because now that your pitching ain't good, if you figure out what it is, if it's five innings, six innings, you're going to need more pitches to cover your ground. But you don't you, you don't get that. That, that, that. that just doesn't happen. You Getting the middle reliever and the closer is hard enough. For the Phillies to have three guys, potentially four, with Brogdon, you know, then you got a lot of so many guys, but you got three guys for sure in Soto, Kimbrough, and Dominguez, who are expected, who have the talent, and now kicking up. Guys who have been closers, you've been the All Stars. The Kimbrough's a Hall of Famer, like, like. Dominguez is the young buck, and then Soto is another one. You know, both these guys, Dominguez have had his struggles. He could throw over hundred. Soto can throw to the hundred. Mark Kimbrough's a, like these guys are flamethrowers, and now you got Strom who you can throw in. And you forget about that. They can still throw Strom in there. Once Suarez comes back, Strom's in the bullpen regardless. That's four guys who we know in the postseason, in, in October, you know, the second half of the season, are going to be good, are going to be reliable. We, I, I've never listened. I watched the 93 Phillies, and, you know, they had guys like Larry Anderson, you know, come in there. You know, Martin, uh, what is it, Bill um, Rivera was like the fifth pitcher. But they had other guys on that bullpen. I had to, you know, remember the – Got to come to me. You know, Mitch Williams, of course, is on the bullpen. You know, Larry Anderson. You know, there's guys on that bullpen. But I couldn't name an assortment of guys that could just come in there and take you down. It was always a, a you know what I mean? Like I say, Larry Anderson was one of them. Come in there, do they a good, decent job, boom. You know. In 2008, the Phillies had Chad Durbin, who was a former starting pitcher who was collecting innings. And, you know, um, we all know Brad likes our leads because those pitchers, you know, Brett Myers, they could get innings. Cole Hamels, they can do innings. Joe Blanton, they can go to seven. They could go to seven. That's that's what made them. Jamie Moyer is like, man, he used to throw the slowest ball, not spectacular, but he get the job done every time for seven innings. He'll go out. The man was a good pitcher, man. Slowest ball I ever saw come off a pitcher's hand, but always got the job done. He was just good. Good. A man that played as long as he should should just be in the Hall of Fame for the simple fact of how long he played in the national in the Major League Baseball. Still doing a good job. Like still being a starting pitcher, man. Like people are not looking at Jamie Moyer's whole, you know, so um you go to the the whole thing, right? And you look at what the Phillies had in that year. If I can remember everything, I will. Um but Chad Durbin, I really remember for because Chad Durbin went like two or three innings on him. And then here come lights. So he was that guy. You could put it for two or three innings, maybe even four. And, you know, if, if your pitcher wasn't doing good, that was the Phillies thing, you know. That that was the Phillies big thing. If you're not pitching enough innings, if you go to six, that, that was the Phillies thing in 2008. If you weren't pitching enough innings in 2008, they clearly was like, oh, if it's five, okay, you messing up. You done gave up two runs. It's time to go to the bullpen. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's how they got down. This team bullpen is ridiculous. I've never seen I, – I can say I've seen the, the best Philly starting lineup, of course, was when they had Roy Holiday, Cliff Lee, um, Cole Hamels, Roy Oswald, and Pedro Martinez was on there. <laughs> Like, they really had a dominating, you know, one guy got hurt, so here comes Pedro. Pedro was good that year. He was the reason why we got to the World Series. 
Again, we didn't win that time, but they got there. It was he had a real good season. Pedro Martinez had, you know, but he came in late in the season. If he would have started at the top of the season, like they'd have been side young conversation. So now we come back to this team. Look at the bullpen, man. Look at the bullpen. Look at the bullpen. Crazy nuts. I mean, they got three clothes. They got like four. Let's see. Strom has proved it. All right, he can be as close anywhere, but it'll probably be a middle reliever for most people because you get it up and it's boom. But Soto, Dominguez, Soto, Dominguez, and Kimbrough are all closers. They're closers. Any time of the day. I always thought Dominguez has been the closer. And then you get Alvarado there, who is just, he improved. Like, he wasn't, he was decent. Went to solid, and now he's good. He's one of the best relievers in baseball. Could be an all-star closer right now. He's going to be their guy. He can really be their guy. So, and now that Nick Castellanos, like last year, he didn't start where he's at an unbelievable level right now. Two home runs last game. Bryson Stott is doing just what I said, man. That's why it's so for him to be doing it even just early. I didn't even say early. I said he has to get to that point. I, I thought. Some games had to go through. He started immediately. Him, Trey Turner have been unbelievable. And then Brandon Marsh, like, wow. Then Castellano. These are guys that are hitting 300 balls at the time. Sosa's hitting 300 baseball, you know, but they still got other guys that you might fool you. They ain't hitting big averages, but they dangerous. Josh Harrison, um, Kyle Swarber, of course. You know, the one guy you cannot sleep on. You look and you go into the lineup, and if you're not doing your homework, you look, oh, this guy hits 215. He's going to knock you right out the park. Um, This is a lot of good talent. Cody Clemens, a lot of good talent on this team. Um, like I said, Brandon Marsh is up phenomenal. But Edmund Sosa is just being a, a pest. Alec Baum is just doing what he was doing last year, again, getting right to – Bomb and Stott were the guys they drafted for the future. They were very, very high draft picks. For them to be doing this good, just really credits to Philly. And they got guys in the farm system I'm looking at that's doing good. Uh, uh, Muziati is a guy. Alfred Simon is hitting 300. You know, he's – anytime they want to bring him up, it's that's a guy. Jose uh, Rojas is doing good, stealing bases, uh, getting on base. So the same type of guy I thought he would be. Mick Abel's doing good and uh, double uh, ready. Got um, some good prospects coming out of Philly's uh, staff. Good prospects. Uh, Carlos De La Cruz, outfield. I mean, it's just a lot of good ones. It's a lot of good. Now they get to sit back and don't have to rush in there. You know, you fall back until it's your time to come in because we need utility players. That, 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 that's how that is. Then you can groom and who you want to be. It's a very, very good situation. I don't, do I think they're a top? Where would I put them? They'd be like top 15, you know, and, and, and they'll be in the teams probably, you know, it's just, just about 12 minor leagues better than them. But they, you got to look at this team, the international prospects they got in there from Ortiz and Obergola, uh, so many guys that is that, that are there. Um, so, Big, 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 big win. The Philadelphia 76ers. They did it, man. Made a statement. 
96 to 84, 25, 12, what is Tobias? See, this is why. Let's 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 clear all the skepticism and all the talk. Oh, he's did good before. Well, give him his credit. Last year he went out. He, he had a good playoffs last year. The year before that, that's when he started having the best playoffs. The year before that, but it was you know it was a certain game. It was like the last series they got. You know when Ben Simmons was here, he was doing good in the Atlanta series. You know. Um, but now he's starting early in the way he's starting. Like, the way he – it's an Austin Nets. Well, they in the playoffs. You can't say nothing again. Succeed. It's a basketball team, and it's the playoffs. There's a difference. I mean, Tobias averaged 15-7 in the season. At the times he averaged more than that, he still didn't come in no playoffs. I don't care who – and he played against – Atlanta was a more – if you look at Atlanta – the year Ben Simmons was playing, and you look at this team, the Brooklyn Nets, they, the only thing they got common, they're both young, but Trey Young was a star, star. I mean, you look at Michael Bridges, he's headed there. He's headed there. He's not where Trey was at the time. Uh, you know, John Collins doing with Capella, they was a good team, right? Now, Tobias was getting down. There's enough players, enough size to where they could have not let the Tobias. Like, y'all got to understand, he is a good player. You have to stop knocking it. Now we have this game. And in the game, the first game, he gets down. And that's the game Embiid was struggling. He struggled that series. I've never seen Embiid struggle like that. You know, but even though 2019 and seven assists is a good game, it was like they was trying to double team the heck out of him. He was like kind of, kind of figure out. He was kind of like irritating them. You know what I'm saying? Then you got the second, the second game, right? You got the second game, and Tobias comes in, do a little bit, but it was all Maxi, thirty-three. Stepped up. So that's another thing for the Sixers. I, I said this time and time again, and a lot of other analysts said it too. Maxi and Tobias. A lot of people said Tobias. I say both of them. There's been times Maxi will disappear, but he's not doing that now. And so the first game, it was Tobias, you know, and, and, you know, James Harden. Then the second game, it was all Maxi. It was Maxi and Tobias. The second, the third game, it was Tobias. You know, Maxie did his thing. You know, Harden did his thing. But Tobias was the man. He was the man in the post. I think that was one thing. Doc Rivers, that's what good coaches do. He he didn't do this before last year. Playoff, letting Tobias, yo, attack the post. He had to tell him, yo, get in the post. Post him up. When we got that post game and we could pass it out to shooters, because now the shooting is so much better. Number one three-point shooting team in the league. I'm never seen a 16 team like this. Not to my recollection that they was number one in three-point shooting. And if you got a great, if you got a great not only center, who was the best player, he's the best player in the league, which gives you a disadvantage, you know, because you're passing out to the best three-point shooting team in the league. When you pass it out to these shooters, y'all do this at the best in the NBA rate. So you have the best post presence and the best outside shooters. This is a recipe for success. But now when he's not there, you give it to Tobias Harris. He does the same thing. Not not like Embiid, same thing, but working the post and being effective and then passing it out if they get to him because they're not even going 
listen, they're not going to double team Tobias Harris. They don't even feel like anybody else except for Harden. And when Harden go, drive to the hole, here comes everybody because they know he's a he's a danger. So that's when he's able to pass it out. So when Embiid's in the post or driving to the to the post, here comes the double team because they know he's a danger. You know, a lot of people are, are double teaming him at the three point line. Like he's just like <clears throat> they really got on him. So to see that his other guys came right to the rescue, they they was you know the crazy part is. And this is the first round. I don't think Doc Rivers would have made that decision just getting here, playing with Embiid, or maybe the second year or whatever. But this year, listen, Embiid, Doc Rivers, the way he coached him last year is totally different. The last two years is totally different from how he coaches him this year, period. You know, with, with James Harden in there. Uh, it makes him – he has a point guard, point guard. Like, because this point guard can go to the line and he can shoot it from the outside and he can drive. That's what – it's basically telling you what they wanted from Ben Simmons was to help this whole team. And Harden does that. Harden don't have to – Ben Simmons never had to score 30 points a game. Or totally, you know, so that's why every, the way people are talking about Harden, the Sixers don't need that to win. They just needed all they needed to be similar. If he just would have hit free throws like Harden, we'd be a different team. Totally different team. Totally different team. We ain't talking about three point shots. We're talking about free throws. So it's just a little different now with this team. But then this team right here is super deep. Even when Maxi said it on his interview, this team deep, deep, man. They super deep. All right, just look at it. Look at it. Just pick Shake Milton. Y'all know you can get down. If you've been watching basketball or if you ain't never seen him, go look at the stats. Yes, he's been that guy. D'Anthony Melton. If you ain't heard of him, you ain't heard of him with the Sixers this year? Okay, you ain't been watching the games. You clearly ain't watching out one. This is one Sixer game. You would know about both those guys if you don't. Melton. Melton's a serious guy on both ends of the floor. Uh, Jalen McDaniels, a great underrated trade that ain't talked about. This young man is young. He, he's long, play defense, can shoot from the outside, can drive it inside, can post you up. He is a good player. They need to sign him this this offseason. Also, you got Paul and Gorgeous Knight. You know, what the hell? Gorgeous Knight. Um, if I'm saying the wrong, it's George, Gorgeous. It's one of them. Um, been watching this man since college. I'm saying the name right. But this guy can shoot at a very, 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 very dangerous rate. He can get you. He's one of the reasons why they're number one. But also, what people don't talk about, he can drive to the hole on you. He ain't just a shooter. He can drive to the hole on you. So they got guys that can go get it. And then, then the center position, Paul Reed, 10 points, 15 rebounds. Oh, my God. Still a block. Like, he's, 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 and he's good on both ends of the floor. That's good for them to have a backup like that. Just That's all they needed. They didn't need MB number. They just needed somebody to impact. Ten points. Boom. That means you're going to the hole. You're trying to get you're trying to get to the line. You're trying to be physical. You're following good passes, good cuts. And then you're getting 15 rebounds. That was important and huge. But, the, you know, the crazy part, MB is out, right? Who they got in there? Harold. Oh, he's all oh, Harold ain't played. Every time Harold gets minutes, he's double figure in City. He can start for anybody right now. He's not an all-star, but he can start right now and give you 14, 15 points, eight rebounds at least. <laughs> like, real time. Like, the defense is questionable. We all know it's, it's not a good thing 
Um, but he's still a physical guy you got to play against. And on the other end, he's going to compensate with rebounding and scoring. It's just been a problem in the locker room. That's that's been their problem. That's that's exactly y'all wanna know it's been the problem in the locker room, right? Um Daniel House Jr., he had twenty two. One of the one of the games was either Atlanta or was Brooklyn. He had twenty two points. He's come up big whenever they needed him. Whenever they call on him, he comes in. So what does that give you right there? Seven people deep. Then you got Jaden Springer. How do you not believe in Jaden Springer? How do you not believe he had 10 points one game already, right? He was like, oh, it's full quarter. Well, he played a whole game against Atlanta, guarded Trey Young very good, got in his ass. Then we talking about him scoring 19 points, key buckets against the starting lineup. They wasn't playing against the second or third unit. And I say third unit because that, that had to be six or third unit. You put the G-Leaguers in there, you sit everybody. When you sit Tobias Harris, when you sit your whole start lineup plus your six-man, oh, my God, and you still win, Philly got talent. It's not it's, – they put Matt McGlung and King in there right now. They, I'm not saying if they would bust 10, uh, but they're going to impact. They're going to score some points, maybe f- five points for both of them. I mean – Four points for one, five for the other. They're going to impact. They're going to come in there. They're going to play. They're going to play hard. They're going to play defense. I love their young players. And now they're waiting the big part, the, the part everybody wants to do in, in any playoff situation. You want to wait and rest. And that's what they get to do. I mean, they lost Boston. Um, Boston's up to one, but they're in Atlanta right now. So Atlanta could take one again. They have their talent now. Let's just get this twist. Atlanta, the coaching going bad, I don't know, but they got DeWante Murray. They got Murray. They got Capella. They got a point guard. They got a big man. They got a, a go-getter in Murray. They got Collins is still there. There's no way. Then they got Sadiq Bay. They traded for him. There's no way this team, Onyeka, Onyeka, Kangu, excuse me. I got that name. kind of got me tongue-tied. But, yeah, these guys can all play. There's no way that this team – shouldn't be where Brooklyn was. They started the season like they was and never traded anybody. These got like somebody's not coaching their team right. They need the right coach to get with Trey. Trey Young is like that, but he's also young. And somebody, I don't know, it's just it's not clicking. When a guy with that type of talent ain't clicking the way he was, that's different, man. That's different. So because if he was the guy he was when we faced him when when the Sixers faced him, and they 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 knocked us out when Ben Simmons like was just totally a ghost. Um, if he was that guy that that year that he, this year that he was that year, that team would have been in the sixth seed, would have been competing, especially with Murray there. You know that was supposed to be that. So that was the thing there on that point. Now, like I say, it's two one. Celtics is up. Sixers get the rest for at least shoot uh, a week at least. We're talking about every two games. Uh, yeah, it could be yeah, a week, a week, a week will finish it. Because if you do four more games, yeah, a week will finish it. These seven more, you know, days here. Um, it's crazy. This position. It's such a blessing to be in this position. And the Sixers now fifty percent chance that at the time of the Sixers beating the Celtics. Doc said it was a 50% chance from the spring of him playing. 
So that's good enough, 50%, because a player will play at 60 or 70, and you won't even know he's been playing with injuries. If you're at 50%, that means they want to rest him. That means they made the choice to rest him. If it was really they needed MB, he wouldn't have been sitting. They would have did what they had to do, wrap that up, boom. But they feel like they can beat this team without MB, but they should. They beat the Brooklyn Nets the first game without their big three. Tobias is playing. Then they beat him with everybody. Then, 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 they beat him with the third string is what I call it. When you bring in the G, the two-way contract guy, and then your first-round pick who been in between and, and been doing his thing, the G League MVP, that's how long he's been down there. He's G League MVP, Mac McGlung. You bring your three best G Leaguers up here, and they just go to work. They go to work. They score no less than 19 points between both, like all of them each. Like, you know, Jay Springer had a 19-point game. The second game against Brooklyn, McClung had 20 points, nine rebound, nine assists. And Louis King had 20 points, four for eight from three. Right there, I think the confidence of Doc Rivers knew, like I was watching the game, like the first game. If you really look at this series, they didn't didn't even show urgency like that. They didn't because – the game goes on. The, you know, the first game was, oof, you know, the first game they got down, but they wasn't even playing. Like they wasn't even playing their best, like like that. They was playing so easy and so cool and so down. It was dominating real easy. Then the second game, okay, MB was kind of struggling. You know, they they was putting that double team on them, and it was you know they they was making some mistakes in that game, man. You know, they, they was, but they still ended up taking them out. Then the third game, that, that was another struggling game, man. Embiid, Embiid was struggling that game, and, you know, there was a lot of mistakes was made by both teams, you know, uh, especially the Sixers. Like, they, they was making, and they ended up making the comeback. Then the fourth game was the worst one. If you look at it, the Sixers was letting them feel like they was in, like the the jersey jersey was playing. It was kind of tied. It was going back and forth. And then the Sixers just said, "All right, we're gonna win this game." When you thought they couldn't say that without Embiid, they just said, "Oh, we're gonna win this game." Okay, let's get it over. It's a different team than you've seen from the Sixers. They're confident. They know each other. They know what they're supposed to do. They know their roles. Everybody is on one train. And it makes the Sixers dangerous. And so now you look at Boston, all the good you say about they say about Boston, but they lost the game to a team we beat with our backups. Okay, but this is the playoffs. This is the play. Okay, all right, okay. Well, they lost in the playoffs. Don't say Brooklyn is who they know. It's the playoffs. Milwaukee Bucks beat by the Heat. Now, the Heat is a tough team, man. You got to give them their love because they can beat a number one seed team, any team in the East. But Milwaukee had the clear cut this and that, that they was this, but you got to give them some – They Guinness was hurt. And that's – is he – how hurt is he this series? Is he going to be the same guy when he get back? Are they going to win this series? I'm just saying that this is a series out of all of them. I, I know Atlanta's not going to beat Boston, but, I, but uh, Miami's a very, very tough team. You can't just sit there. That's the team you don't want to face in the first round. That's the one you do not want to face. The, the one low-seed team you don't want to face in the first round is, no question, Miami. And it's crazy because 
Miami is the AFC? Huh. Jesus. Miami was your eighth seed. That 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 that's that was bad. That lets you know how tough really the East was. Seriously. Now, we get back. Yes, we talk Eric, Derek Henry. We talk, you know, you want to confirm, you want to know what's right. You want to know what's going on. We talk it. Then we talk. Ha ha. More Villanova. When I get back, man, on follow leader. Step away from frozen. Step away from frozen. And as the rhyme gets shown, as the rhyme follow me, follow me, follow me. Planets are small, the balls are clay. The balls are clay. Not even a satellite. Not even a satellite. So keep staring, zoom, yeah, suddenly yeah, see yeah, a star, yeah, you better yeah, follow yeah, it, cause it's the hall. This is a lesson if you guess it, let me follow it, come here, step right on, keep following right on me. Okay, Akbar, if I'm saying his name wrong, um, if I say this name correct, I said Akbar Bija Biamila. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, hosts um, Ninja Warrior. He's been in the field player. His brother was a, you know, was a, a, a raging maniac on the field with a Green Bay, real good defensive end, defensive lineman, um, real good defensive player, his brother was. Um, so... That's the first thing. That's the first thing. He was an ex-NFL player. I'm just trying to break down to let y'all know, and we, I'm going to lead y'all to y'all answers. He was an NFL player. His brother was an NFL player. He has an agent. His agent is similar to Derrick Henry. It's also A.J. Brown's agent. A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry's been on record to say, look, that's my boy. Man, I was mad when he was traded. It's like my little bro. You know, I was like, y'all couldn't work out something. He said this in an interview. So, if y'all remember, Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown was determined as, you know, best friends before he was traded. And that trade was easily the easiest to make for him because how he likes to make people comfortable. He, he does. He likes to make people comfortable. If you get your teammates, he gets somebody as close to you, somebody you have chemistry with on the field, he gets them. Now, this is also tell you the Eagles been looking for a running back. 
The Eagles have been looking to market. It had to be a good enough running back. Ezekiel Elliott, they're not going to pursue for soon because there's so many, you know, okay, he's good. Is he Is he going to talk to the Eagles? You see that hasn't progressed nowhere, not even nothing, like, that we've heard of anyway because it could be some under wraps. Uh, he said he was going to make his decision. He hasn't made a decision yet on who he's going to play for. Zeke, just falling back, man. He's trying to see what's the best situation. He ain't got to rush. Um... Dalvin Cook has come up in mouths of people have suggested that the Eagles will be interested because they were during draft night. They were interested in Dalvin. I wanted Dalvin Cook that night. Shoot, even when Zeke was coming out, man, I was like mad when the Cowboys got Zeke, man. Zeke's still a good running back. He just was a Cowboy, so you go through the the bashing of the Eagles syndrome, but the man's a good running back. It's just to stop all the boys. One of the best power backs in the league. Um. Next thing, Derrick Henry is not going to put – this is st- – I mean, not, not Derrick Henry, but Akbar is not going to just put nothing out there knowing he has the same agent as Derrick Henry. Just, just, I'm just coming to y'all with a sense because a lot of people, I see them writing their articles, and I know they're just doing opinions. It's nothing – Mike Florio has – there's no fact from his – there's no fact from that because – you said you heard from someone that said it's not going to happen. It's like they're trying to do the same thing Akbar is doing. Because if someone told you this, and this is big news, a person would want to quickly dismiss it. Quickly. Look, my name is Richard Jackson. <laughs> I write for boom, boom, or, or, or Or you're looking at the article and they're telling you who said it. Who it is? This is not. This is big news. So for you to sit back and now you're in on the phone with somebody, I know for sure. Mark Floyd, you're on the phone or talking to somebody, and there's somebody in in the league, and they're giving their opinion. They don't know anything about it, not one thing. Akbar tagged Derrick Henry. If anything was going to be dismissed, Derrick Henry would have immediately addressed it on Instagram or address it on Twitter after his name is tagged and he tags the Eagles. This has been certified to Akbar. It's in the works. It's going to get done. He just came out and said it early. Like we never knew we was going to get AJ Brown. We just knew that what Jalen Hurts said. We didn't, that didn't just come out of the book. Howie Roseman is never that type. He just happens for the first time in history. And, and, and I could ever hear Someone that I can remember, someone has come out and said something big that Howie Roseman's about to do before he does it. Howie, Howie even said on his press conference, I don't, on draft, I don't, you know, he ain't, he ain't really would let people know what he do. Akbar didn't find, he found this out from the source because he works for the source. <laughs> he works for the source. Like there's nothing you can people are losing their mind not thinking this is true. When this guy clear the agency would have came out, King uh Derrick Henry would have came out. He tagged Derrick Henry. There was not no uh then you got AJ Brown. This is how you know this is real. Like like okay, a lot of things I've already said proves it, right? But this is how you know. Cause it, it just keeps on following, right? But this is like the icing. This is like the icing on the cake. A.J. Brown comes out and says, 22? Man, if it's possible, get it done. 
which means it's being worked on. He's he knows more than all of y'all know. He's he just putting it out there like that. That's it. But that's a confirmation. People are not paying attention. Things are being are letting you know that it's happening without people saying it's happening. Akbar knows even more than AJ. AJ got confirmed. He's right around. The, he's right there. He's right there. Akbar knew before any of them. That's his agency. He knows the whole deal. <laughs> he knows everything that's going down. And then for him to say that, he knows it's going to get done. That means they're persistent in getting this talked to and done. Somebody said, one person said, I saw this, said, oh, they haven't even talked to the Titans. The who? The who? <laughs> who matters? Derrick Henry and his agency and the Eagles and then the Titans. Yes, the Titans have to make the deal. They have to accept the deal and everything. So that's why you know that was false. That was false. That was false. And then you can, and people will listen to me. You can't say, well, you got to be false. Well, you're saying that a guy who's a professional with the professional agent of the same agent as Derrick Henry, who tagged Derrick Henry, who you get the confirmation from AJ Brown that that's in the air. And everybody was like, oh, that's not, oh, he ain't even talked to him. It's in the air. It's right there in your face. You don't know what's wrong with you. This is, this is just for the regular people that are fans of analysts and writers, and you want to determine something is right without the writers even knowing the full confirmation their self from, like the full confirmation we all we waiting for for writers is Schefter. <laughs> when Schefter says it, or, you know, any person that be on ESPN reports, you know, Schefter has to, you know, even if he don't say it first, he has to put it down for his end. You know, because he's one of those type of guys. He's a he's a reporter. That's like any reporter. That's like if Keith Pompey writes it, then you're gonna have uh, Jay William. If Jay Williams talks about it, then Stephen A. is gonna talk about it. Then uh, Nick Wright's gonna talk about it. It's just how it is. It's just like writers and anything. If the Enquirer writes about it, then your post gonna write about it. But listen, it, it's just what it is. And people are waiting for that confidence. That's what they want. They feel, but. If you're really a person that's an analyst or, or if you're a fan that follows sports, you know how to do it. You know how to do it. But sometimes you just don't. You're just trying to listen to us. They, you know, we we your guides. So I'm going to let you know. Right there. This, and, and then it's something you can listen to and be like, oh, you, you know what? You know, he's, this isn't no, this is how it happens. But this is how it happened with all those analysts. We already, this is how all of them determine anything anyway on their end. Either you're, to you're told news by someone and you make the prediction or you're told the exact thing that happens and you put it down. This is how all analysts work, every single one. All he did was be one of the sources that, that know it in his and he just came out and said it. You know, he, yeah, it's, that's like if somebody was committing to a college and, you know, a person they knew came out and said it first. <laughs> And then the recruit, then then the experts, but all the experts are waiting for 247 to post the article or waiting for somebody from 247 to say it, but it's crazy. Um, yeah, so that's going to go down. It's going to happen. I'm excited. Um, it just, like I say, this, all this was a, a clear case of, dang, it got out. <laughs>
before it happened like that. But, you know, Rosemont ain't super pissed. He's just like, dang, it got out. Because even Dallas has come up to say they want uh, – that there's some – you know, reports that Dallas wants Derrick Henry. So, of course, Philadelphia's trying to keep it under wraps. So, teams don't say, oh, okay, let's throw all these chips on the table and try to block Philly. So, now it's out there. So, th- that's that's one thing to look out for. Who else is going to try to trade for Derrick Henry from the Eagles? Nobody, because that's the worst fear in the world. The Eagles get the most dangerous running back in the league. That's the most dangerous thing in the world. They don't want that. All right. Okay, Villanova, let's go. Ha! Naheem McLeod, center, seven foot four, two fifty five. Let's clear the air. Okay, he averaged around four a game. You know, some like three rebounds. I didn't get the time he supposed to get. Had six blocks in the game before. He's he's made impacts. Florida State was so deep in talent. He wants to get the playing. You know, somewhere else that you know gives him a more of an NBA look. He has Gonzaga, Syracuse, St. John's, Ole Miss, Memphis. Got people like that are after him talking to him, you know, um, and also Villanova. And, and it's 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 a clear – Villanova knows him. He was one of the top JUCO guys. He came out of high school. Uh, he was one of the top JUCO guys, like number six in the nation, JUCO, right? Um, but the Florida State. It was a big class he went to in Florida State, big class. Um Talented class. Florida State does a good recruiting all the time. Florida State basketball is good at recruiting. It's gotten better, just like Oregon, more and more. Now, um, he was a, he's a Philadelphia guy, Philly guy. Yeah, Naheem, I've been man keeping up with Naheem since high school, talking to him before his recruitment, before he went to Florida State. You know, when he was being recruited by Jay Wright, Neptune was on that staff. I don't know for sure if he was the guy that went to his, who was recruiting, but maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. But he was definitely on the staff. He definitely, look, they was definitely recruiting him. I remember talking to him, um, you know, and then he just didn't recruit. You know, Flanova never gave him an offer. But they were still recruiting him. Just like, you know, I'm going to talk to some guys. Listen, remember about the McKenzie uh, Mbako? Um, talking about he didn't know the offer. Where the offer? What, did no offer. If you were after a guy, you were after a guy. You know, you just need to know if you're going to give a guy a scholarship, to, if he's going to commit to you, or if maybe he'll commit too soon, you know, because some guys they know are going to commit. And, you know, like Isaiah Wong, they want to give him their offer, still was a top school, still was a top school. Because I was told that, well, you know, and that was Ashley Howard, my guy, He, you know, let me know that. It was like, yeah, man, he, we knew, we knew that uh, we gave him the offer that he would commit, and you know. So that was a whole nother, you know, sequence on that. That was years ago to Isaiah Wong, who's been a great player for Miami of Florida. Um, Now we come here to Nakeem McLeod, and this is real. Now we're going to see, I'm going to talk to him, man, um, I've been, I hit him up yesterday. I'm going to talk to him more. We'll be an interview on 247. I'm trying to get that done today uh, for Naheem McLeod. Um, it's my guy, man. Good Philly. Keep coming back home, man. And this is clearly not the – listen, Villanova only has one spot to fill on the roster, you know, for a 12-man roster. So, uh, Brady, you got Brady Dunlap out there. You got Naheem McLeod. I haven't found out too much, but I just know Brady likes Villanova. 
Villanova likes Brady. Penn State's going after him hard. St. John's wants to talk to him, and they're going after him. So, you know, this is this is going to be. I don't know. I mean, that that's that's the toss up there. It's really fifty fifty. There's a fifty percent chance a little bit. You know, that he'll quit the Villanova, but there's a strong, just a strong fifty percent chance that he'll commit to St. John's or North Carolina or you know, Penn State. Penn State is after him. Penn State likes him. Penn State could try to make that move real hard on Brady Dunlap. Um, but Naheem McLeod could commit to Villanova quick. But this is all, listen, Hunter Dickinson visits on the 27th of April. The 27th. The 27th of April. So that's huge. And that's in four days. Okay? That's going to decide whether they get that they go forward with McLeod because it makes they will not be able to get McLeod if um if Hunter Dickinson commits. Hunter Dickinson commits, I you might as well unless they get in McLeod and he said, I'm a red shirt. That is it. I'm a red shirt. Um let me play this year. I said the reason why but they do want to be it's like the Eagles want a running back. They do want a big man. They 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 are going to get another big man. That they are not sitting with Eric Dixon playing the center position. They're putting him at power forward. Guarantee you that. Or, or if Dixon plays backup, they want an experienced big man to come in there, somebody with size to spell Dixon. That could also happen. But one thing is this. Everybody's talking about Hakeem Hart being on the bench. He's not going to be on the bench. You lie. You lie. He can, do, he can average 11 a game off the bench. He can, you know what I mean? he can easily do that. He can easily be that guy off the bench. They had it with Khalid. They had it with Dante. Ever since Philadelphia, I mean, ever since Villanova won in 2018, that has been their key to have at least one guy off the bench that's making noise. At least one guy. The other guys will get time, but it's out of those guys, it could be three guys playing, getting minutes off the bench. But one of those guys has to be that guy off the bench, that sixth starter. Ever since Dante DiVincenzo, there has been something added to Villanova's whole arsenal as of having a lethal bench guy. To me, to me, last year, to me, I thought it was Brandon Housen. Could have got more, got the ball more. He really was a dynamic shooter, scorer, player off that bench. He's going to be something good, special. I, I like Brandon Housen. Um, but that's it. That's just it. Like, if you want to talk about other things, um, Villanova has a lot of guys, Connie Rolfs, uh, Khalid Williams, Samad Noel, Marcus Allen, um, Jaden Glover, Khalid Williams. I said it, I said it, Jaleel Bethia. All these guys are top 100 ESPN guys. Every single, the guys Villanova is, is Bryson Tucker. The guys Villanova are, are recruiting. So people want to talk about, oh, three-star, every single guy, except for, I didn't see Bliss. Bliss is not on the top 100, but Bliss is a bad boy. So that's Neither here or there. We just talk about people talking about Villanova and then Boogie Flan. That's another thing I want people to know. Boogie Flan is a guy Villanova is pursuing, one of the elite point guards. So let's just look at this class now and what it could be. Marcus Allen is soon going to visit Villanova. I just talked to him not too long ago. An interview will come out soon. I'm just waiting for him to visit Villanova. He, he'll be visiting Villanova. Marcus Allen's another good guard who um, – does what he does. Man, dude is on both sides of the floor, though. Dude's elite on both sides. One of the elite two-way, top five elite two-way players in this class. No question. 
He's he's an elite player. He'll be real good with Villanova. Be a dog like Patrick Beverly with even more scoring. You know. Um. Yeah, Boogie Flynn is big. You know, uh, Duke Kentucky. You know, Kentucky Duke. Duke is his look. Duke was always said to be his dream offer. That is the that is the thing we gotta. Is are, is Duke gonna go for Boogie Flynn? You know, Kentucky's going after him. Villanova's pursuing him hard. I mean, what? Where could he go? This is a up in the air. I mean, really, you're looking at his his. They're doing a good job. I keep everything even kill. And it's just all about the teams. Like, you know, he's talking, you know, Villanova's talking to Boogie Flan. You know, they're coming to see Boogie Flan. You know, they're keeping their name. It's good whether they win this recruit or not, that they're keeping their names entrenched with five stars and them being Villanova. You know, them being Villanova already is keeping who they were right intact because that's what Villanova does. They're always in the mix of the recruiting. So it's, it's big. And the thing, also notice about Boogie Flan. And this is NIL, so Boogie Flynn can go anywhere. Kentucky won't just be the winner. This is not the same. Like I was telling the Kentucky fan, it's not the same like it was. For one, Kentucky, when they started out with the one and dones, that was their hype. That was their hype. That was it. He was accepting one and dones when nobody else was. All the NBA talent, most of the NBA talent, most of the NBA lottery talent, you know, the top 20 talent was going to Kentucky. Now it's not like that. You know, after years, Kentucky just wasn't winning, especially in 2020, 2021, when they were 9 and 16 with a team that was unbelievably talented. And then you also, before that, you know, things started getting recognized that certain guys weren't getting time. I mean, these were five stars. Kentucky had a whole roster full of five stars. And then the one guy going to say, oh, well, that don't mean they're going to win. I see you don't know about basketball. When you have the best talent, you're supposed to win. I don't care if they're freshmen. When you have the best talent, the number one talent every year, every year. Okay. I see you miss a couple of times and not the tournament. You always make the tournament. And with the number one talent in the league, I don't care what nobody says. If you're not making the great eight every year, then you clearly don't know what you're doing with this elite talent. You need to get the right talent and stop getting the, the top talent because Kentucky is focused on having the number one recruiting class every year. And they seem not to get the right talent. Okay. Now, um, looking at Villanova and where they're at, Boogie Flan. I'm getting back to that. Boogie Flan can commit to Villanova if Villanova keeps pursuing them. That's why it's a good thing to, to listen to. Villanova pursuing them. Baker Dunleavy's a general manager. Ashley Howard's going to be back officially soon. It's really going to make Villanova super strong, super strong in the NIL part. Now, Boogie Flynn, guys like that, I mean, that's why this is very important. This college season coming up is very important to show these recruits because we're not going to get a full fool on guys like Boogie Flynn until the college season starts. It got to be, yeah, they got to start. They got to see things happening. And Boogie Flynn will be like, hmm, they got to see that. A lot of them not going to commit. But right now, it's Khalil Williams, Jaleel Bethia, Christian Bliss and Jaden Glover. Those are your four guys, man. Other than that, I mean, it's guys, like I say, Boogie Flan has a favor in Villanova. He visited first. He wanted to visit. That was his. He wanted to visit. He he even put it out there. Nova didn't how he wanted to visit Villanova and visited Villanova. He likes Villanova. So that's something to put in your head right there. And on that recruitment, he was the first person to engage 
me get up here. Me make this visit, you know. Before what it wasn't an offer. He got the offer once he appeared in Villanova. As <laughs> soon as he got the offer, I knew it. I said, man, as soon as he go in there, as high as a prospect as he is, they're gonna give him an offer with his interest. And it's up to them now to be like, hey, I'm gonna come see you. He showed interest in the university. So now that's a job of Neptune's. Whether he wins his recruit or not, he has to be make him a priority. He has to make a, a recruit that Highly known wants to come up to Villanova and make that. He has to make that guy because Boogie Flynn and Bryson Tucker are clearly about the probably the highest, you know, ranked prospects in their whole. So we'll also see. Listen, they're always around IMG. I, Bryson Tucker's another guy they could get. I haven't heard any traction, any real movement on my end on that recruit. I'm gonna have to go a little bit deeper in that, but. Villanova's on a real good track. But the Naheem McLeod thing, listen, just going to say before I got here, Naheem McLeod is just pay attention to after the 27. That's the thing. They're not going to sit here and go after Naheem because Naheem McLeod commits to Villanova, say, in the next four days or whatever, or next three days, and you got um, Hunter Dickinson. Like, what are you gonna, He's not going to be able to be on the roster. This is all just in case Villanova's still keeping their their head out there if Dickinson, if Dickinson commits – but if he doesn't, they're going after McLeod. And I can I can assure you out of everybody on their list that Villanova can have a high, you know, they can go for McLeod because they was recruiting Kakeem Hart when Neptune was around. So, and that's a, that's a Philly guy. They go get them. They're going to get Philly guys and bringing them back to Philly. That's huge right there. Guys they used to recruit, they used to look at, they used to talk to in, in their recruiting process. Guys they were interested in, now they go back and they go get them. That's the same thing that um, Neptune did with Fordham, you know, when he got DJ Gordon, uh, who was committed to Penn State, when he got T. Sambala that was committed to Penn State, guys that were already there, uh, you know, guys he had already seen and, you know, recruited. He had got Patrick Kelly to transfer over there. He was with IMG. Uh, Mount Vernon, it was IMG. I think IMG, he was with them. And, you know, that, you know, he just went for guys he was familiar with on a recruiting circuit, you know. So now, this is what he's doing now. I mean, you know Philadelphia, he was with Fordham. I mean, you know Philadelphia is with a gang of talent, guys who clearly always go somewhere else. You know, you got some guys that stay, but it was worse back in the day. Guys was always going somewhere else. You know, um, Rasheed Wallace, North Carolina, you know. That was one big one. So when you're looking at – um. Like Catino Mobley, but anyway, but when you're looking at players, man, um, now he's making that elite Pennsylvania prospect. Hakeem Cart was an elite Pennsylvania prospect out of high school, or one of the top transferred guys out there. Then you you go get Naheem McLeod. If I'm just happy about it, somebody was like, "Oh, is he fit?" If you think of Daniel Sheffu, yeah, you're thinking of yeah, you think of Daniel Sheffu. It's a taller than your Sheffield. That's all it is. So you're going to block more shots. So you're going to do the same physical things. So I'm out of here, y'all. Listen, uh, Instagram, Twitter, follow me, Facebook. Um, follow leader. From the cradle to the cradle.